Welcome to the teaching podcast for Eubank Baptist Church. We are all about knowing more about Jesus and inviting others to do the same. We would love for you to join us on our campus on Sunday mornings at 8.30 or 10.45 and Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. This podcast is a place that you can listen to any teachings that you might have missed from our Sunday morning worship experiences. To stay connected, you can check out our website at www.eubankbaptist.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Eubank Baptist Church and Instagram at Eubank underscore BC. Thank you for being a part of the conversation and let's keep pursuing Jesus together. Well, again, so good to to have you guys here with us. And I am personally excited to be back into the land of living. Our home suffered an attack from the bug this week. And so I had it first and... Like a good, loving husband, pass it on to Becca, because she is home today recovering. So just I want to give a shout out to my boo-boo, uh, my, my, my boo thing, uh, my, my, my better half also, uh, to Emberlyn. She's not here. So I, know, I know most of y'all are disappointed about that, because it's all about her, right? Not about mom and dad. It's all about, all about the baby. But uh, no, we are glad that you are here. And as it is said from the stage on most Sundays, uh, welcome to Eubank Baptist Church. If you're a guest with us, we are so happy that you are here. Uh, whether you're here to watch the baptism or someone invited you, uh, we are glad that you are here. And our heart and, and, and prayer as a leadership is that every person who walks into these doors, whether it be in here or down over the hill, that every person as they walk through the doors, that they would encounter the real and living Jesus. That, that is our heart. That's our prayer. That's why we do what we do. Another part of our, our heart and prayer is that uh, the longer you come back and, and stay with us, the more you get plugged in. We have a lot of ways to serve. We have a lot of things going on. Um, If you look at your bulletin, there is always something going on here, which is a great thing because this church is alive and well, let me tell you. We have a lot going on. And so we hope that the more that you are here with us, that you get plugged in. Because here's what I believe, is that God did not uh, ordain for you to encounter Jesus to stand still. I don't believe that. I believe that the reason you encountered Jesus was because he wanted you to do something with that, to move, to move forward, to be a part of something larger, to be a part of the community. And so there, there are a lot of ways that you can get plugged into the life here at EBC. You can stay tuned on our social media, our church website, even our church app. So please, the more that you are here with us, stay engaged, get plugged into what is going on here um, and, and if, I, if I can be tr- uh, fully transparent with you guys, I am really excited about today's conversation. I'm excited about every conversation we have, but today this conversation, uh, as I was working through it this week, hit me a little bit harder. And so I'm really excited to dive into, to dig into what God has for us as we continue working through Genesis during uh, our, our time in the series we have and will continue to look at moments that we would call foundational, moments that we would call significant when it comes to the life of the church, when it comes to the narrative of the gospel through Genesis. We said uh, from the very, very beginning that a lot of these stories, uh, they have become anchor points for Sunday, for Sunday morning sermons, for Sunday school lessons. And so we have been looking at those stories, those familiar stories, and asking God every single week, give us a fresh perspective, give us something new from this familiar story. And one thing that we uh, also said from the very beginning in the very first conversation of this series is that Genesis, it is full 
of moments where again and again God moves towards humanity. Because if you haven't read through Genesis before, let me tell you there's a lot of good people that made a lot of bad mistakes. You can resonate with that, right? Maybe you're here, you're a good person, but you know what it's like to make a mistake. And so we've seen that every mistake, every moment that, that may not have gone as it was supposed to or that it was expected, even in those moments that the people turned their back fully against God, his presence still moved towards them. And so this morning, we're going to see another one of those moments. And this is our sixth week in the series, and, and in the past five uh, moments, Sundays of this series, we haven't had a title. I haven't given a title. Uh, we've just said, hey, we're going to be in this book, of the, in, in this part of Genesis, and here we go. But um, as I was working uh, through this content this week, I found myself uh, being drawn towards a particular title. So I want to unofficially, okay, unofficially give a title to today's conversation and that title is Life Lessons with Uncle Lot. Now when I picture that I, I just picture maybe an uncle or a grandpa sitting in a chair in a rocker sharing with his grandchildren, his his nephews, his nieces, saying, Hey listen, here's what I've learned in my life. Here's what you should know as you continue in yours. And there's this moment of sharing from experience, sharing from stories. And what I want to do this morning is I want to give Lot, Uncle Lot, if you will, an opportunity to share his life lessons with us. Because what I believe is that he went through some things that are so applicable to us today. In fact, there is no word in the Bible that is not relevant for today. There's no, there's no word in the Bible that is not applicable for us today. But for some reason, I keep coming back to this idea that Uncle Lot has some good stuff for us today. And so I'm excited to really, uh, to, to really dive into that. And so what I want us to do today, like I said, is just sit at the feet of Uncle Lot and let him teach us a few things. I've said on different occasions that we can learn some things from people that have gone before us. If you read through the numerous stories, not only in Genesis, but the entire Bible, there are moments that we can learn from. In fact, we saw a moment today where we could learn from children, that their confidence, their boldness to proclaim the name of Jesus over their lives, we can do the same thing as adults. So today I want to learn from Uncle Lot, and I hope, and I, and I believe that he has something for you just as much as he has something for me. Last week, Lot was briefly mentioned. We spent a lot of time with Abram or Abraham. He was first Abram, then turned to Abraham. Um, and we mentioned Lot just, just for a brief moment, but today, this morning, we're going to spend some more time with him. So before we dive into our content for tonight. Before we dive into life lessons with Uncle Lot, I do want to set up the content by reading through a scripture in Romans. In Romans chapter 8, I want to begin there and, and again set up our conversation for this morning. Romans chapter 8 verses 5 and 6. So if you're able to this morning, I want to invite you to stand with me. Uh, and if you're a guest, we do this just to honor God's word, to honor the words that he speaks to us. So if you're able, I want to invite you to stand with me. And we're going to read through this together, and then we will dive into life lessons with Uncle Lot. Verse 5 of Romans chapter 8 says this, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, 
but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. We pray with me, Father, we thank you just again for who you are. God, we, we are grateful and humbled to see how you are still using this church for your kingdom. Even though we are in a search for a lead pastor, even though we are in a transition in a lot of different ways, God, you are still moving in this place, and we are excited for that, God. We've just in, in, in the first few months of the year, we've seen three baptisms already, God, and we, and we know that is only the tip of the iceberg of what you can do in this place. So, Father, I pray that as we dive into your word this morning, as we spend some time with Uncle Lot, that you would just speak to us. God, I, I believe, in, 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 in I, and I had this belief from, from the very get-go of, of, of preparing this, that, God, you have a word for every single person that is here today, God. There's things in the experience of Lot that we can look at, that we can learn from, that we can just use in our own lives. So I pray that you would just speak and move in every single heart that is here, whether they're in person, they're online, or they're catching the conversation at a later time, God, I pray that you would just move and speak and help us continue to worship. We know that worship is so much more than singing in a few songs. God, worship is a lifestyle. Worship is singing. Worship is praying. Worship is studying your word. Worship is celebrating the decisions of our brothers and sisters. So I pray that you continue to move as we worship, God. Give me the strength and the boldness and the courage to preach your word as it is and nothing else, God. I believe that you have something good to say to us today. So, Father, we love you. We thank you. We give all the praise, all the glory to you. And it is in your mighty, powerful name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. And as, as we have been doing for, for a lot of the series so far, uh, instead of being in, in one particular series of verses, we're going to be in a couple different places. So um, have your Bibles ready to go. Listen, if you uh, don't have a copy of the note sheet that you can find in the bulletin, please find one right now. If you have to, if you have to raise your hand, we will bring one. I'll, I'll even bring one to you because we believe with everything in us that if you are not engaging with God in his word every single day of the week, you are missing out on so much. If you're waiting on someone to preach it to you or teach it to you, or read it to you on a Sunday or a Wednesday, you're missing out on so much of what God has planned for you. So we believe that you should come back to his word. And, and listen, we don't, we don't make these note sheets to glorify the person speaking to them. Listen, I am not that smart. I am not that gifted. I am not that good. But there is a God who is gifted. There is a God who is smart. There is a God who created everything that we see and has the power to speak even through, even through someone like me. So we want you to take this note sheet home with you, come back to it throughout your week, and encounter God. And if you're joining us online, you're not off the hook, okay? So go grab a piece of paper and write this stuff down. You're not going to just sit passively and, and watch. No, we want you to be engaged as well. So find a piece of paper, get involved in the conversation this morning. But we're going to begin by unpacking the first life lesson, the first takeaway that Lot has for us today. So number, number one is this. Number one, have the right focus. Have the right focus. The first place that I want to go to this morning in the story of Lot is chapter 13 of Genesis. Chapter 13. I want to read for a moment through verses 10 through 13. We'll have it here on the screens, but if you have a Bible, please open it up. Be engaged with what's going on. But in Genesis chapter 13, verses 10 through 13, it says this. 
Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zor was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. In case you might have missed last week, the very, very small descriptor of Job that, or of, of Lot that he got, he is the nephew of Abraham. He is the nephew of Abram. He is the guy that left the homeland with Abram when he was called to go. So Lot, or so, so Lot has been traveling with Abraham. He is the nephew that, that tagged along with his uncle through the journey. And at this point in Lot's story, him and Abraham, they decide to part ways because, simply put, there, w- there wasn't enough space for their people. They had a lot of people, two families, two very big families, and they were trying to survive off one land. And so they decided, they realized, hey, there's not enough space for all of us here. And so what they decided that instead of trying to argue and bicker about who, who goes where, they just thought it would be better for us, better for our people, better for our relationship if we just part ways. And what we see is that Abraham, excuse me, Abram, he gives Lot first choice. He gives Lot the first choice of where he wants to go. And he says, listen, Lot, you get to pick where you want to go. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the north, I'll go to the south. And he says, wherever you go, I'll go the opposite direction. And so we see these two men, these two families, they part ways because, they, again, they, they would rather separate than have their people argue with each other over who goes where. And what we see unfold in these verses is that Lot seems to make his decision purely based on the physical appearance of the land. Now, maybe there were other factors. Maybe there were other things that went into the internal debate on what he should do. But, but God's word points out this aspect specifically of this is what seemed to really influence his decision of where he wanted to go. And what we see is that when Lot was given the opportunity to choose, he made his decision based on what caught his focus. He said, oh, that land looks good. Oh, that, that, that land looks as well as it did when we were in Egypt, as well as it did in the Lord's garden. That, that land looks like it is the place to go, place to be. And so he decides to go to that land. I, I would imagine that he probably thought to himself once or twice, well, it looks good, so it probably has the capability to sustain my people. It looks good, so it probably has the capability to make it work for all my people. Again, we don't know if that was part of the debate, but that's how it landed. And while we don't know what all went into that conversation with himself, what all went into that decision that he made to go where he went, we do know one thing. While Lot focused on what looked good, he was unaware of what would surround him. While he was focused on what looked good, he was unaware, or maybe he was aware, but he just wasn't really paying attention to what surrounded him. Because as we just read, he chose a land that was good, but what surrounded him was a place called Sodom, which was described as wicked and sinning greatly against the Lord. So he 
either wasn't aware or didn't care enough that he was going to be surrounded by Sodom. As I was working, working through this this week and just studying and reflecting in my own experience, I kept coming back to the idea that really not much has changed today. Because we still make a lot of our decisions based on physical appearance. Right? When you go to the grocery store, you're not going to buy rotten fruit or vegetables, right? I won't buy it either way because it's gross. I don't like rich vegetables, which I know I'm working through it, okay? So don't spare me the lecture, okay? I'm working through it, okay? I know the grandma's mom's like, oh, he needs to eat. No, I know, okay? But you don't go to the store and you don't buy rotten fruit. If, if you go and buy some milk, you don't want milk that ex, that's expired, right? You want fresh milk. You want, you want bread that's not moldy. You want things that aren't expired. So even today, even in the basics of life, we still base a lot of our decisions off the physical appearance of what we see. And while we know that our first car wasn't or our first house won't be uh, the most current, uh, you know, maybe we know that our first house or our first car uh, wasn't or won't be the most current model, right? We know that. We, we know that our house won't be the mansion that we want. And what we do is we, uh, we want to find the perfect blend of being broke and living the dream, right? We want to find that perfect blend of I'm broke, can't afford it, but I'm going to live like it though, Right? And so, because let's be honest, we don't want to start too low on the totem pole, right? Like, we know that our first car won't be a Lexus, but we don't want, ooh, that car, right? We know that our first home won't be a giant mansion. We don't want, we don't want ooh, that home, right? And so we, we know we're not going to be where we want to be, so we try to find that blend of being broken and living the dream. And like Lot, we often seem unaware of what will be surrounding us in that decision, as I was thinking through this, there were some examples that came to my mind, and a lot of these examples are based on my own experience. I just want to share for a moment. Maybe, maybe you don't resonate with this at all. Maybe you do. Um, but what I believe is that every single person, either you will or you have a desire for some of these things. But a few things that came to my mind of where we really see this happen today, uh, when, when we choose to have social media because of the good it can do, we surround ourselves with the expectation to always be online and posting something with the perfect filtering caption, right? We would never, ever, ever post something unfiltered, right? We're going to clear them bags. We're going to clear them wrinkles. We're going to get the sunset in the background, right? We ain't going to get the trash in the background. <laughs> we get in the hill with the sunlight and the cross in the sky. Amen. Let's go, right? And all of a sudden, there's this expectation of always posting something, always sharing something, always posting about what we're going to do today, what we're going to eat today. When we choose a particular style or trend that is current to help us fit into whatever kind of people we want to fit in with, we surround ourselves with the expectation to always keep up with the next latest thing. And even that can be so exhausting, can't it? I'm going to say that, that most people, maybe not everyone, but most people, Every time a new iPhone comes out, your heart jumps a little bit, right? Ooh, a new iPhone, which is crazy. They, they've been, I mean, they've been around for a while, but they've had like, we're on what, 13 now? Is that, is that what we're on, students? No? 14? See, I don't, I don't even know. I'm struggling here. <laughs> we're on 14 now, and why in the world? It's nice, it's convenient, but why do we need that much stuff on our phone? We don't really. 
I mean, put down the phone and go outside a little bit. And so when, when we have this desire to fit in, we're always, always trying to keep up with the next best thing. Maybe you're here and you want to send your kid to the best school. I get that, okay? But here's the thing, with the best schools that are out there, we surround ourselves with the expectation to meet and keep up with whatever the standard is. We're, we're, we're expected to sound like them, look like them, eat like them, dress like them. And listen, no one likes uniforms, right, students? Thank you. Listen, I had uniforms when I was in high school. It was terrible. It was awful. I mean, it was easy because it was all the same uniform, but it was terrible. And so whenever we surround ourselves with that, that is what could be the thing that influences us. And, and, and just in case there's someone thinking, well, he's up there saying these things are bad. How dare he attack social media? How dare he say that it's bad for my kids to go to the best school? Listen, I'm not saying that. I'm not, okay? Listen, I want Emberlin to go to the best school there is, I, so I'm not attacking that. But what I'm saying is that we have to consider what our decisions will surround us with. Because I'm going to imagine you've been in the place where what you decided to do all of a sudden became maybe a, maybe a hobby or a habit, and then all of a sudden it starts to influence everything about you. All of a sudden, that's all you think about. All of a sudden, that's all that you're about. So we have to, be, we have to realize what we surround ourselves with. And what we're going to see as Lot continues to go through his story, we see that, that he went from being surrounded by Sodom to being a part of Sodom. He went from being just around the city, around the wickedness, around the place sinning greatly against God to being a part of that city. So I'm not attacking. I'm just saying, what if we consider, what if we consider what we surround ourselves with? That's why I said we have to have the right focus. As we continue to work through Lot's story, as we continue to, to learn from Uncle Lot, I want to offer the second takeaway for us this morning. Number two is this, be an influencer. Number two, be an influencer. I want us to go to chapter 18 of, of Genesis, where we again see Lot's story continue to unfold before our eyes and in chapter 18 of Genesis, I want to read verses 20 through 24. It says this, Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin so grievous, that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went toward Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? In the time between chapter 13 and chapter 18, we see uh, that Lot himself and his people, they are, they are captured by other people groups. And what we see is that Abram decides to go and rescue his nephew like any good uncle would do. And so we've seen that Lot is taken captive. He's rescued. And now we find him here in, in chapter 18. And in, in these verses we read 
that the Lord decides to personally visit Sodom and Gomorrah to see if things are really as bad as they appear to be. The Lord decides, you know what, I've heard a lot. I'm going to go personally visit and see if it's as bad as it really is. And in the process, he meets Abraham and what follows is that the Lord goes into this negotiation process. Because Abraham says, well, well, let me ask you a question, Lord. Let's say there's 50 people that are righteous down there in Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, there's 50. Would, would you really still sweep away, really wipe away the righteous with the wicked? Wouldn't you just spare them because of the righteousness? And what we see is that that number goes from 50 people all the way down to 10 people. Imagine how that conversation <laughs> went. Started with 50 people, but now it's down to 10. And, and Abraham says, what, what if there's just at least 10 people? If there's 10 people that are righteous, won't you still spare the city? And what I see in that and what I think we all should see in that is that despite the amount of wickedness that is present, that does not change God's mercy. You see, God was willing to negotiate with Abraham. He was willing to show mercy even for the sake of 10 people. Even for the sake of 50 people. So what we see is that despite the amount of wickedness that may be there, because let's be honest, not much has changed today. There's still a lot of ways, a lot of areas that the world desperately needs God to move. And so what we see is that God's mercy does not change. And it's always abundant. I believe with everything in me that, that mercy is one of the primary ways that God still moves today towards us. Because despite even our failures, despite our mistakes, despite the times that we think that we know better than God, despite the moments that we focus more on ourselves than other people, the times that we decide that what we want is better than what God wants for us, all those moments put together that, will, that, that have happened, that will happen, that will continue to happen because you're a sinner, saved by, it's you're a sinner, even in those moments, God still moves towards you. He never says, well, I'm done, I'm done, I'm out. He never says that. So no matter how far we get, no matter how far we turn away from God's purpose for our lives, he will never stop showing us mercy. And the greatest, when I was thinking about this this week, the greatest demonstration of mercy was God being willing and allowing his son Jesus to take the place that should have been yours. I know that sounds harsh, especially if you're a guest with us, but that's just the truth. The truth and the reality is that what you owe because of your mistakes, and we call them sin, the world calls them bad habits, calls them little white lies, calls them things that, that try to justify why I do them. No, we call them sin. That's what they are. That's what the Bible says. And what the Bible says is that because of our sin, what is owed because of sin is death. Now, is that fair? I don't know. I'm only quoting the guy who said it. And the guy who said it made the entire world so he gets to decide what's right and wrong, not us. And so what we owe is 
death. And what that means is that when Jesus stood in your place, when Jesus stood on that cross, he was standing in there for you. He was standing in there to give you a way back to God. Because without Jesus, without his sacrifice, without his life, death, and resurrection, there is no way to get to God. Because that because at the heart of it, at your core, you are still a sinner who makes mistakes. No matter how hard you try to be good, no matter how involved you are at church, no matter how many devotionals or Bible studies you, you're a part of, at the end of the day, you are still a sinner who needs to be saved by grace through Jesus. And if you have done that, guess what? You still are a sinner, but you're a sinner saved by grace. And so we see that God is merciful even with us. At this point, you know, Lot has, Lot has spent some time in Sodom and Gomorrah. At this point, he has children who are grown. He has a family. So he has spent a lot of time in Sodom and Gomorrah. And I want to bring something that was said a few moments ago back to the conversation. It's this, that what surrounded Lot was the thing that began to influence Lot. Again, he went from just being around Sodom, probably here in the city in the, at, at night, maybe walking past it. He went from being a, by it to being a part of it. And if you know this story, you know that as the men come into the city to carry out God's judgment, as they come into the city and they encounter Lot, Lot is so infused with the society, with the culture of Sodom and Gomorrah, that he actually offers his two daughters to an angry group of men and says, do whatever you want to them. Just leave these guys alone. Imagine how, how far in the culture he had to be to be okay with that. And so he was a part of the culture. He was a part of what was going on. And it could easily be said that Sodom and Gomorrah were were places that desperately needed God. How to imagine that others would agree that, again, not much has changed with this. I know that our schools desperately need God. I don't even want to imagine what y'all go through during the, during the week, students. I don't. It was tough for me when I was a kid, and that was time ago. I know that our homes desperately need God right now. I know that our state desperately needs God right now. I know that our world, our nation desperately needs God right now. And here's what I know. That if you are here this morning and you have placed your faith in Jesus, you have called him your Savior and your Lord, he is expecting you to do something about that. He's expecting you to go and be an influencer for Jesus. Again, Lot spent time, and maybe you're thinking, well, Aaron, you don't know how, how hard it is for one man to change an entire community, one man to change, one family to change an entire city. Listen, it is not you that changes anybody. It is Jesus who does that. So he's not expecting you to change people because you can't. He's expecting you to bring people to Jesus who can change them. That's why this church exists, not to bring people to us. We can't do anything. We're, we're as messed up as the next guy. But what we can do is point you to the one who can change your life radically. 
So you're not being called to be a changer of the world. You're being called to be an influence of the world for Jesus. And I think so many times we get overwhelmed by the idea or the expectation that we have to change. No, you don't change anybody. You can't. Stop trying. Instead, start pointing to Jesus. That's who can change and nobody else. That's why our heart and prayer as a leadership here is for people to encounter Jesus, not encounter me, not encounter Kevin, not encounter Kyle, not encounter a deacon, not encounter. No, encounter Jesus who can really change you. It's not about encountering a song that can make you feel good. It's about encountering a Jesus who can turn you from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. That's who we're all about you encountering. So I have to, I can't help but imagine how would things have been different if Lot would have been more of an influencer for Sodom and Gomorrah as opposed to being a part of the culture. Listen, students, I love working with you, but man, some of y'all need to stop acting scared. Adults, I'm going to say the same thing to you. Stop acting scared to live for Jesus. His word tells us that he will give us the power and the strength to to carry out his mission. So if we have the power of a risen Savior inside of us, why do we live scared? I'll be the first to admit I live scared a lot. Yes, I'm a pastor, but talking to someone one-on-one outside of this building terrifies me. Because I know that I am not eloquent enough to really communicate the, the, the amazingness of the gospel. I know that. But I know the one who can give me the power and the words to say that. Had to imagine Lot was probably scared to be an influencer. He was surrounded. He probably got overwhelmed. It happens to all of us, but listen, you, you have too much of a power living inside of you to keep that to yourself. Especially if you're, if you're someone here who puts your faith in Jesus. Listen, you, you, you've been given that power to do something with it, not sit on it. And how different would our schools, would our churches, would our workplaces be if, if everyone who truly saw themselves as a Jesus follower actually lived that out as much as they possibly could? Maybe you hear the word influencer and you, you think of someone who attempts to gain as many followers as possible. And we have a lot of those, especially, I feel like especially when, when COVID hit, we had a lot of Influencers rise, right? That's all we can do is sit at our home and make, and make YouTube videos and, and podcasts and whatnot. But can I tell you something that every Christian needs to understand about their life after they surrender to Jesus? It is no longer about you. It's no longer about you getting as many people to listen or follow you as possible. It's quite the opposite. The life of a Christian is about getting as many people as possible to Jesus. That's the reason why you're here. If you've been given a new day, that's why you're here. That's why you have a breath in your lungs right now to get many, 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 many people to Jesus as possible. And so we're called just, we, we learn from Uncle Lot to be an influencer. As we begin to move towards the end of our conversation, Kyle, I told you to, to bump up the time, right? I told you. <laughs> I was like, Kyle, we might bump up the time to 12.30 for the last thing. We're, we're, we're going to go into it today. <laughs> so it's a good thing we did that. But as we begin to move towards the end of our conversation this morning, there's one more lesson that Uncle Locke gives that I think is so important for every single person that is here. And it's this number three is this, stay the course. 
Stay the course. One more time, I want to go to Genesis chapter 19. This will be the last place that we end today. But in 19, chapter 19, verses 15 through 17, it says this, With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you'll be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand in the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city. For the Lord was merciful to them. Verse 17, as soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee, from your, flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you'll be swept away. So what we see here is that after Lot is brought into the plain of the Lord, after God tells Lot the plan, he gives Lot the opportunity to go and tell his family to prepare his family and in, in, in some ways, Lot stayed the course. In fact, when he went and told his son-in-laws, imagine telling that to your in-laws, right? Hey, by the way, uh, everything around us is going to be uh, burnt and gone in a little bit, and it's time for us to go. <laughs> imagine, that, imagine that first conversation for the in-laws, right? And so what we see is that even in that, Lot was staying the course. He was obedient. He, he told his son-in-laws, even though they thought he was crazy, they thought, they thought he was silly and goofy, but he still told them. But yet in this moment, what we see is that when Lot is given the opportunity to leave, when he is told, hey, it's time to go, it's time to hit the road, it's time to go, it's time to get out of here, what we see in verse 16 is that he experiences hesitation. Even though he knows what's about to happen, he knows what's going to go on, he still experiences hesitation. And this hesitation, it is so thick, it's so heavy that the angels had to grab his hand physically and say, let's go. They had to drag him out and say, hey, let's go, let's go, let's go. Now, we don't know. We don't know why he hesitated. We don't know what the reason was. It doesn't tell us. Maybe he was, maybe he was scared to let go of what had become so familiar to him. Maybe he was scared of what would happen after the dust would settle when he left. We don't know. But what I do know, what I think we can say for sure is that the hesitation had the possibility to take him off the course. It had the possibility to take him off the course that God had laid out before him. And he could have easily stayed and been destroyed. When I think about how this applies to us, I think about that maybe for us it's not hesitation. Maybe for us it's something different. Maybe for us it's doubt. Maybe for us it's worry. Maybe for us it's hurt. Maybe there's whatever it is, something is keeping you, something is trying to take you off the course. So what is trying to take you off the course? Maybe you're here this morning and there's some hurt that you're still working through. It's been years, it's been months, maybe days or weeks, and that hurt, you're just almost done. You're, you're, you're wondering, what is the point of all this anyway? Maybe for you it's, it's doubt or worry of some kind. Maybe, maybe your heart's focused on, well, what will happen if? 
despite God saying, hey, let's go, let's go, let's go. You're still saying, well, what if, God, what if, what if it doesn't work out? What if it doesn't end out great? What if it does, what if it's not what I was hoping it would be? What if it's different than I want it to be? What if, God, if that's, if that's you, I know this is going to be something easier said than done, but if that's you, maybe the reason you feel so tired, maybe the reason you feel so exhausted, maybe the reason you feel like it is you're about done, you're burnt out, you're over it, maybe the reason you feel it is because your eyes is fixed on the situation and not the one who holds the situation. Maybe your heart this morning is fixed on the doubt or the worry or the hurt or the loss or the thing that is just making you feel so overwhelmed. Maybe for you this morning, you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. In Hebrews, he, he is called, Jesus, he's called the, the perfecter of our faith. Which means that he, he sustains and he perfects our faith. We can learn a lot from Lot. We can. We, we're surrounded by darkness just like he was. Maybe you're here this morning and your focus is a little bit off. Maybe your focus is too much in the wrong place. Maybe you're here and you don't, you can't recall the last time you told someone about Jesus. You can't recall the last time you had a conversation that focused on, hey, do you know Jesus? We can get caught in the sports and the weather and the how's your kids doing? How's it? We can get lost in all those things, but those things, those things don't matter. Maybe you're here and you would say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm about done on my course. I'm about, I'm about over it. I'm, I'm done with it. Maybe you're here and you need to focus your eyes on Jesus. I believe with everything in me that before you walked into this room today, before you walked into the first song, he had a message ready for you. I believe that. Here in a moment, we're going to invite our worship team to come back up, and we're going to sing one more song. And this is simply our time to respond to who God is. This is our time to respond to whatever conversation he's having. Because here's what I believe, is that he does not want you to come in the same way you left. He does not want you to come and leave the same person that you were when you first walked in. He wants you to come and leave changed by his word. I believe that. I believe every time he... Every time someone opens his word and, and, and preaches a true message, a true gospel message, he talks to every single person, whether we know it or not. As they sing, this altar is going to be open. And there is nothing significant about this altar. It's, it's a stage. It's wood. It's stone. It's held up. There's nothing significant about it. But I can tell you that the one who is waiting here for you is significant. Maybe for you coming up here seems overwhelming. You don't want people to know what's going on. Maybe for you, it starts with you at your seat, surrendering everything to Jesus. If that's you, that's okay. You don't have to come up here to meet Jesus. He can meet you right where you are. But maybe he's calling you to step forward. Maybe he's calling you to join the church. I don't know. But I do know he's calling us to do something. My prayer for us is simple today. My prayer for me, my prayer for you is that we would learn from Lot. We would have the right focus, be an influencer for Jesus, and that we would stay the course in a world that desperately needs Jesus.
Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for who you are. And right now, I just want to pray for every single heart, every single person that is here, whether it be in our building, online. And I just want to pray for them. I, I want to pray if there is anyone, anyone, it doesn't matter who it is, if there is anyone and they have never given you their life, they've never called you their savior, they've never admitted that they need you, Maybe they've played church, they've come to the services, they've raised their hands, they've done the activities and they've read and they've sung along and they've done all these things, but they have never truly made that commitment. I pray that right now that would change. Because God, if our focus is not on you, we have the wrong focus. Your word is simple. It tells us very clearly and plain that if we want to experience salvation and a life with you, we have to believe in our heart and who you are, believe that we are a sinner who cannot be saved by ourselves, cannot be saved by good works, cannot be saved by being good enough, doing enough, saying enough. It is only, we can only be saved through the belief in who you are in our hearts and a confession with our mouth. I pray for the ones that maybe need to do that today. You know, if they're online, message us, call us, we'll walk you through it. But I also want to pray for the ones that have made that commitment. They have made that decision, but lately they've been, they've been a little off. They've been veering off the course. They've been not as worried about being an influencer for you. God, I want to pray for the ones who have a heavy heart right now. I want to pray for the ones who have a tired, exhausted, overwhelmed heart right now. God, you tell, you tell us that you will give us literally a new heart. You'll give us a new spirit, but we have to start with you first. We have to allow you to come in and to do that within us. God, you, you give us breath for us to stay the course. God, you, you want to change this world drastically, and you want us to be a part of it. So, Father, whatever needs to happen, whatever decision, whatever move needs to happen, God, that you would just move inside of all of us. Convict us, God. As we worship, as we respond to you, just move in this place even more, God. We love you. We thank you. And it's in your power that we pray. Amen.